Welcome to the Anti-Woke Podcast. Uh, who are the woke? Well, they're people who are racist against whites, sexist against men, bigoted against straights. They like to call Christians terrorists, even though that might fit some other religion a little bit better. They oppose helping the world's poor with the only thing that works, capitalism. And lately, they love American involvement in foreign wars, as long as there's a Democrat in the White House. And so, I oppose all that stuff. So I'm like, this decades, centuries, millennia's, Rosa Parks, Hugo Chavez, Susan B. Anthony, all rolled into one. So I'm helping the downtrodden, one episode at the time, and let's start off by uh, joking around with stuff that you're not supposed to joke around with. If Disney is secretly censoring the N-word from old Best Picture Oscar-winning movies, does that mean you should go buy it on Blu-ray? Or should you just pirate it and then go to Rotten Tomatoes and give Little Mermaid a bad review? The business of America is business. Well, it's that, and fighting climate change, and discriminating against straight white men, but it's mostly about business. If your grandpa wants to overthrow a government, he uses encrypted social media apps, Telegram, and WhatsApp. But if your 10-year-old wants to overthrow a government, they do it with Roblox. Women like high-status men, and slave girls are a type of woman. Now who's higher status, a male slave or the owner? Is this an aspect of human history that we should study using modern DNA techniques? Or is that already going too far? And finally, no, I'm not talking about American slaves. If you think there are neo-Nazis in the Ukraine army, then you're a conspiracy theorist, just like the New York Times. All right, on to the show. The latest episode of the Coleman Hughes podcast has an interview with Razib Khan. And Khan has a PhD in studying like dogs and cats and what happened to them over the centuries. And now he has a substack where he writes about humans and what happened to them over the centuries. And he mentions that British people went to Greece a few hundred years ago, maybe when they were conquering, you know, the whole world, creating America, etc. And they looked at the Greek people, and then they looked at what they knew about ancient Greece, where it was a bunch of deep thinkers who invented geometry, etc. And they were like, these brown-skinned, tempestuous, you know, vivacious women, etc., these people cannot be the ancient Greeks. They must have been replaced. And it turns out they were not replaced, but Khan is bringing it up because there was a lot of ideas about how about human history that have been either confirmed or denied by genetics. And I think what they do is, you know, you go find a, a piece of a body from an ancient Greek person, you know, sitting in a cave or something, and then you can run a DNA test on it, and now you know what the genetics of the ancient Greeks were, or any, you know, any, any other kind of person you want to know. You just, if you can find a piece of a body from a long time ago... And then sometimes you match it up with, you know, if you know if it's more, if it's you know, if it's the last couple thousand years, maybe some, maybe the Romans wrote down something. So you're like, oh, here's a piece of a body. The Romans said that there was a battle. Okay, that gives us the time frame, etc. But yeah, so I guess so they used to think that the Greeks were 
had been taken over by the Syrian slaves. I guess they had slaves from Syria. And he doesn't mention the brown skinness. I imagine the British are like, these people are too brown skin. I don't know about that. Because it turns out that Greek DNA is a quarter Slavic. Basically people from Poland. And that sounds to me like maybe today's Greeks are lighter skinned than the ones back in the day. But I don't know. I, whatever. I will speculate a little bit, but not too much. I'm just relaying what this guy says. So then he says some interesting stuff about slavery. I think this is in general, not American slaves. So some, all, or none of this may apply to American slaves. But in general, slaves do not pass on a lot of their DNA in, you know, whatever country or location that they go to. And this is for a few interesting reasons. So first off, a slave infant is not valuable. You know, they're not, you know, when, when can you put them to work? You can't put them in work, to work until... You know, they're like 10 years old. So you got to feed this mouth for maybe 10 years before you can put them to work. And they're not going to be a good worker then either, you know. It takes 15, 20 years before you get a real good worker out of them. I mean, he doesn't say this, you know. But maybe it's better to go to some other country and grab a full-grown slave than to try and make your own. I think America started growing their own slaves because they passed a law saying you can't bring in new ones. I should double-check that, but I think that's right. Whatever, I'm going to be offensive about this. So, first off, it's not necessarily a good idea to raise a slave from scratch. It's expensive, so that's why you don't have a bunch of DNA to pass on, one reason. The next one is, you may have heard, but slaves are not super in control of their own lives and what's going on around them. So if a slave gets pregnant, or if a slave gets someone pregnant, and then there's a baby, that baby might get killed. The owner may not want that baby around. So I think that's infanticide. So yeah, there's going to be extra infanticide, depending on, depending on someone else's idea of what should, go, what should happen. And also, slaves may not want to get pregnant, or want to get pregnant less if the baby's going to be killed. So that just re- reduces the amount of DNA to pass on. And I guess I will say, the human brain has been designed by evolution to want to keep, whatever, you know, kids with your DNA in them alive. So you could imagine a slave master, he'd be less likely to kill the baby if it was his baby. I mean, the slave master's wife probably wants to kill that baby too sweet, but... And then another thing that I never thought of, but it makes sense, but... How about the men, the slave men? They're not high status. You know how, like, there's a few things that will, whatever, I'm just going to be, anyway, this is the goddamn anti-woke podcast. I can say whatever the fuck I want. You know how it's easier to get laid as a man if you're good looking or, you know, if you're famous? I mean, there's a lot of things that will get you laid. You know, if you're rich, make it easier, make a woman more likely to like you. Well, we call those things status. And so, yes, high status, get you laid. Slaves are not high status. And so if I think, you know, unfortunately all this, I think a lot of these pregnancies happen when they're teenagers. But if you're a young woman looking around, um, you're going to want someone young, handsome, and you're probably going to want the owner, not another slave. Like that's the highest status thing going on around you. You know, as many of those young, handsome, and the owner, as many of those three things as you can get. And today we go, that's rape, she can't consent. But 
throughout human history, it's a whole bunch of babies that were created by what we would now call non-consensual. And that's actually how our DNA works today. That's why women like a high-status man. But anyways, I guess that's about as far as I'll run my mouth on that. You get the idea. You can see a lot of the implications. But uh, so back to what Khan was saying. Um, slave DNA is passed down from the mother. There's a word, matrilineal? I'm not sure. The word is maternal. But there is this thing about the DNA from your mom versus the DNA from your dad that can help you study stuff. You might have heard of mitochondrial Eve, like Adam and Eve. So mitochondrial Eve is the woman whose daughter, and then that person's daughter, and then that person's daughter, all the way down to your mom, there's an unbroken line. And women pass on their DNA in a, I don't know, more consistent manner or a traceable manner through their daughters, and then men pass on their DNA in a traceable manner through all their sons. So no one talks about the mitochondrial Steve or whatever his name is, but there's some dude out there who is kind of the dad of everyone, the great grandpa of everyone. And it kind of lets you see who was, you know, where, where was the non-consensual part of your DNA getting mixed? Because you can follow your mom's DNA back to your great great grandma who was a slave, but you can't follow your dad's DNA back to the great great grandpa who was a slave. So that means someone on the non-slave side jumped in there. And then Khan is talking about Madagascar, which is a, I think an island off of Africa. But the people there, they speak a language that is similar to Asian languages. And now that we have DNA testing, their DNA is about half African, half Asian. And when you trace back the mom's DNA and the dad's DNA to find out what kind of great-great-grandma you had, it's an Asian woman, and then what kind of grandpa you had, it was a great-great-grandpa is black. And I think not enough is known on the consensuality of the situation in that country. So, America creates and destroys millions of jobs every year, but... Last month, 80,000 jobs were destroyed, and 4,000 of those were destroyed because of AI. And it's not a big enough amount to care about or to affect anything, but it's something to keep an eye on. The new Transformers movie made $60 million domestically over the weekend. I think this is considered pretty good. Um, Transformers movies used to make a ton of money, you know, 10, 15 years ago. But the last one made like 25 million, so 60 is pretty good. And the audience for that was 32% Hispanic, 31% white, 21% black, and 11% Asian. And so pretty much every weekend now, Hispanics are, they're starting to be the big dogs. They're more, more Hispanic people, or more money is coming from Hispanic movie watchers than white ones. And of course, Hispanics that's the youngest category in America, and then whites, that's the oldest. And so young people are the ones who go to see movies, and they're the ones who watch the movies repeatedly, especially teenage boys. And then Grace Randolph, my woke movie news lady on YouTube, she was complaining because I didn't even, I didn't even really think about it or know, but 
Transformers stars a Hispanic man and a black woman. So that means Little Mermaid, the black Spider-Man one, and now Transformers. They're all black slash Hispanic. And she didn't like that they had to compete with each other, you know, three weekends in a row. And so I don't think any of this box office race stuff, you know, this country's racist or whatever is, none of it's been proven, but there's a narrative that is coalescing. Um, so Deadline, The Hollywood Reporter, and whatever the third big movie magazine trade is, uh, they're all owned by the same company. And they're all saying that Asian countries are racist for not watching The Little Mermaid. And The Little Mermaid is doing good in America, not so much overseas. But the Black Spider-Man movie is doing way worse overseas. But no one's mentioning that. And again, in America, and well, in America, it's doing really well. I mean, America's not racist. And then overseas, the Transformers movie is doing great. So, I mean, there, there is no, there's no rhyme or reason, basically. If someone doesn't watch a black movie, then you're racist. And if you watch a hundred black movies in a row, that does not make up for missing one. And the thing I forgot to mention, I think, previously was that The Little Mermaid has a giant budget. It costs $250 million to make. And I think they knew, they really wanted it not to be a flop. So they spent $140 million on advertising, which is more than normal. So the thing is just fabulously expensive. And so, it's going to be a money loser. Not so much because it made so little. I mean, it's doing, you know, compared to normal movies, it's doing good. It's not just not good for a giant, supposedly Disney blockbuster. But they spent so much money to make the thing and advertise it that it's going to be kind of a flop, if you account for that. And then the Black Spider-Man movie, it cost $100 million to make, and we don't know advertising, but probably not too much. And so, whatever, that, that's going to make it a lot more successful. If you only spend a little bit of money, you get a lot more profit. And I think the real explanation for the Black Spider-Man one, because um, the, the, the first one, so this is number two. <laughs> I could call it, what the hell is it called? Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. I don't like that because the first one is Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse and the third one is Spider-Man Beyond the Spider-Verse. And if I call it Spider-Man 2, then I was just calling something else Spider-Man 3 that was a live action with a white guy anyways. But Black Spider-Man 1 was a flop at the box office, but then apparently it was a humongous hit on Netflix. People grew to love it. And I don't know, but I think that's like American Netflix or maybe... Anyways, I don't think that's every country across the planet grew to love Black Spider-Man 1 because of Netflix. So, you know, for some countries, Black Spider-Man 2 comes out and they're like, I didn't see the first one, you know, never heard of any of this. So that's why it's not doing good overseas. And then in America, we're like, yeah, my kids watched that thing on Netflix a hundred times. We're all going as a family. And an amusing issue has come up with this Black Spider-Man 2 doing pretty darn well. Um, now they want to do a live action Miles Morales Spider-Man movie. And a bunch of people are like, yeah, finally, another good, you know, after Black Panther, another good black superhero. And other people are getting ready. He's half Hispanic. That's racist. People are like, we got to have a black actor, you know, start making lists of black actors. We're going to have a black Spider-Man. And they're like, what do you mean? You got to have a Afro-Latino actor. 
So woke people on the internet are going to have fun with that one with, uh, you know, colorism and the one drop rule and Afro Latino erasure. And then the other main character in that movie is Spider Gwen. So you got yourself a Karen and it's a multiverse with probably, you know, with time travel and maybe you'll go to the future and see their kids and then the internet can fight over their race. Oh, uh, and something that actually takes the wind out of the sails of all these movies, but it's just fun to talk about it in terms of Little Mermaid. But movies have got, movie tickets have gone up 30% since 2019. Like, they're shooting through the roof. So Little Mermaid is being compared to Aladdin, the last Disney Renaissance live-action blah blah. And so it may, it's making the same amount of money. But that means it's like 30% less people actually go into the theater because people are paying so much extra. So, you know, most media outlets are just reporting the dollar amount. But I'm sure Disney is aware that, huh, ticket sales for Little Mermaid are down by about the same amount that sales are down for Bud Light. And next weekend we got The Flash and Elemental, two supposedly big movies coming out one weekend. And Elemental is a Pixar, aka Disney movie, so everyone's, every anti-woke person is hoping that one flops. And it's an, it's a, uh, it's an allegory for racism. I was watching some review, they're like, yeah, they really laid it on thick about how racism is not good, and racism this, and racism that. I think the fire people are black people, and then, but then, and the water people are white people, except... The water people are voice acted by black people. I don't know. They got something weird going on there. It's something like, everyone says the fire people are criminals, but I can see you have a heart of gold. And because of all this, I went and looked up um, worldwide box office for movies this year. And three movies have uh, made more money in America than they did overseas. Normally movies make more money overseas, but anyways... It was Creed 3, which is the black boxing movies. It was the Black Spider-Man 2 movie. And it was Little Mermaid. So, and those are all hits in America. America loves, you know, white, white people love to watch movies with black people. Black people also like to watch movies with black people. Hispanics don't seem to care. And Asians, I'm not sure. But they don't do so good overseas. So it'll be kind of interesting to watch Hollywood. I mean, they must have already known this. Well, actually, I don't know. I don't know, because Aladdin did really good overseas, and that's all people of color. But Hollywood movie theater, or studios, are known for bowing down to China and other stuff in foreign countries to try and make more money. And it looks like black movies, it doesn't help. It hurts. In fact, just based on the, just you know, I spent three minutes on the internet. I haven't checked other years, but just based on three minutes of looking, this year's movies, um... Black actors hurt a movie overseas a bit. Or it could be coincidence. You got this Netflix theory, uh, you know, the black boxing movie. You know, America knows about Rocky, but the rest of the world doesn't, maybe. And they really think the whole world just didn't like what they did with Little Mermaid. So kids have their own social media site, and I didn't know it. I bet you don't know it either. And if you have a kid, they're probably on it right now, and you didn't, you know, you whatever. Let me put two and two together for everyone. So it's called Roblox. And 
I guess I thought it was a video game. I mean, it is kind of a video game. Um, people go around. They they look like uh, they look like Lego people. Roblox was created in 2006, so it's pretty it's pretty blocky. But apparently, it blew up during the pandemic when the kids were all stuck at home. And now today, three out of four kids ages nine to twelve play Roblox. And the last time I used to play a lot of video games, I was playing um, Street Fighter 2. It's basically Mortal Kombat. And so you had two people. So I don't know if you could call that like a really simple uh, social media video game. But you couldn't really talk to the other person and you just would try and kill them. But with Roblox, I think you're not necessarily fighting... Well, okay, I don't know. I'll talk about the gameplay in a second, but... I think you can talk. You can talk to other people in your Roblox thing and probably texting and voice. So, you know, I mean, that's, I mean, right there, if it has voice, I, I don't know. I think it has voice. It must for like nine-year-olds. Are they going to be typing all day long? Maybe they do. So that's a fancier social media website than frickin' Instagram or Twitter or whatever. They're like talking, talking. I mean, basically, why am I surprised that the kids these days have something that's more hardcore? You know, they're not doing their grandpa's crappy-ass Facebook. They got something way more hardcore. And so while they're being super hardcore, they have something... I mean, this is... this. You know, what's the most hardcore thing in the world? Time's up. Money. Actually, quick aside. Hardcore, that word comes from... Britain, and it's like a type of gravel. It might have like broken up concrete in it or asphalt or something, but you, you know, I think when you're building a road or a foundation for your house, you, you put in some hardcore. Push the, push the wrong button there. Um, and Robux, I don't know what the exchange rate is, but it's like, you know, like a hundred to a dollar or something. Anyways, you can go directly from Robux to dollars, and you can go directly from dollars to Robux. Like I was watching some YouTube videos on Robux, and they're saying, do not let someone use your, you know, your avatar. Basically, don't let someone play as you, because they can go spend a bunch of real money. And I think you buy kind of stupid sounding stuff, like you buy a hat. I think you, you, uh, you, you make your avatar spiffy, you know, this... This avatar is you, and you can buy a hat. You can buy a, probably anything, anything you can imagine. And I imagine they must have some rules so you can't buy like a dildo. Well, I don't know about, you know, that part. Adults play this game too, and Blockton reported, I didn't listen to the, I didn't actually listen to it to find out what was going on with grooming in Roblox. Uh, I think there isn't that much grooming yet. You know, don't, don't tell, if, if you know some pedo, do not tell them about Roblox. And there are safeguards in there that, you know, try and prevent, I don't know, parents set up the, maybe parents have to set up the account so that your kid can't chat to anyone they want. You know, maybe you have to approve each person like, oh, that's, that's Timmy from across the street. Yes, you can chat with him. I mean, I don't know. It sounds a little sketchy. I, I imagine the media will start <laughs> talking about this stuff here, you know, 
somewhere in America, something bad is happening. And if it just happens once, then the media will blow up about it. So that's coming. But I don't know any stats on that. But money talks. And so, and adults can play this game. And, you know, adults like money. Even, you know, even if you hate kids, you're still going to like money. And I think this is kind of why Roblox is the awesome game, as opposed to other ones, is you, cre you can create your own games. I think you can create hats. You know, you can become a hat maker and sell your hats for Robux, which is real money. Um, and you can create games and maybe charge people money or I don't know if you can put advertising. I don't know. I don't really know much about this. I watched a four-minute uh, YouTube video on it, and now I've already talked more than four minutes long. I'm just making up the stuff that I would do. I mean, you'd have gay pride, you know, I'd be selling gay pride shirts like crazy. I don't know. Making a school shooter game? I mean, I'm sure they must have something to stop you from doing that. I don't know. The couple games that they mentioned in this video I watched was... There was one, it was, it was something like Cops and Robbers. So, maybe it was kind of like Capture the... It was kind of like Hide and Seek and Capture the Flag. Except you're running around looking like a Lego man. And you'd have teams of cops and teams of criminals. And... But every one of those, you know, every one of the pe persons is a real person. That's maybe kind of what's different about Roblox versus other games is, is not NPC, non-player characters. Everyone you see, that's attached to a real person, I think. Or who knows, maybe, I think, I think that's right, but I don't know. And the other game they mentioned, I think it was called like Adopt-A-Pet or Adopting, something about adopting. And that one was some kind of marketplace for pets. You could adopt pets and you could pay money to adopt a pet. I don't know. They basically mentioned it, I think, because a lot of money was, a lot of real money was moving around in this adopt-a-pet thing. I don't, know, I don't know if I mentioned, but um, some people make up to a half million dollars a year playing, in quotes, Roblox. And I think that's the same as, you know, being a famous YouTuber. They make, I mean, famous YouTubers make way more than a half a million. So maybe Roblox is kind of behind as far as how much you can make. But I think, you know, Twitch, which is the video game version of YouTube, people go on there and you can watch them play and they make, I mean, the, most, the people who make the most make millions. They probably make millions playing Roblox. Like here, what, you can watch me make hats and sell hats for real money and then whatever. It's money. You're getting money from seven different directions. You're getting money coming and going. And, you know, whatever. Think of the children. What about the children? Well, anyways, just something to keep an eye on. And speaking of hardcore, I was listening to something the other day talking about Brazil. Like they had a kind of right-wing Donald Trump type guy be president. And then he lost to a kind of Joe Biden type left-wing guy recently. And then they had a January 6th riot. I think on a different date. Might have been in January. But anyways... The left-wing Joe Biden type guy, he's in power now, and he wants to censor the internet like we do here in America to put the hammer down on their version of Trump supporters. But the social media websites, or whatever you call them, um, apps that are popular in Brazil are encrypted. So you can't, you know, you can't, you can't shut them down. And I think it's called, I think one of them is called Telegram. And then the other one, I'm not, don't quote me on this one, might be called Signal. 
and WhatsApp used to cause social unrest in foreign, unrest in foreign countries. I don't know, maybe WhatsApp is your grandpa's encrypted social media website. I don't know. But I mean, I'm sure I am not the first person to come up with this, with this idea. So, you know, here's the, the trillion dollar idea is you combine all this stuff into one, right? You, got, you, need a, you need a video game that looks better than Roblox, that has real money. Everyone gets an avatar that they get to dress up in whatever. Maybe have an adults only not safe for work area. And finally, you make it encrypted so governments can't shut it down. I'd like to think that Elon Musk is listening to me and he's got like 10 kids or something. So he must have probably four of them playing Roblox right now. Uh, so, hey, Elon, if you're listening, Twitter should make such a video game or better yet, go out and find one that's like that. I'm sure it's already made. Throw the encryption on top if you have to and then give it Twitter branding where everyone with a Twitter login gets their own avatar without having to create an account. And it will be on like Donkey Kong, or like on like Roblox. And you know what? This is sounding kind of like the metaverse, which was that thing that Facebook dumped a ton of money into, and it kind of hasn't worked. And they, well, they want to do it with um, Facebook wants to do it with a virtual reality headset, like a thing you put on your head. You know, hopefully you know. I think it looks like ski goggles, except much larger and heavier. So basically, I think you throw the virtual reality headsets in the trash, throw that idea away, and you're still going to be doing it on phones. That's what kids, you probably start with the kids, get the kids to adopt it, and then the adults do it later, or vice versa. And yeah, so do it on your phone. Whatever, I'm just, I'm just spitballing. I mean, right here, a trillion dollar idea, swear to God. Oh, and NVIDIA, the company that makes the chips for artificial intelligence, I think they just hit a trillion dollar market cap and they did some sort of presentation where the people in the video game were talking to you through AI so they could talk about whatever. So that's another thing to throw into the game is, uh, you know, the avatars are real people or the ones who aren't real people. They got an AI behind them so they can, you know, learn to live, love, laugh, love life, who knows what, right along with you. You can get married. So there you go. I just predicted the future. Before the AI takes over and puts us all into our little jello cocoons like in the Matrix, um, we're all going to be on our phones playing this crazy video game, social media encrypted blah blah. Trump has been indicted a second time, this time by the feds for mishandling of top secret documents and obstruction of justice. And it's not really time for any of us to get worked up about it, other than it's fun to speculate about what does this mean for the next election. So first, now that we have two indictments, there's one waiting in Georgia. I imagine they'll do that one too. And so there's some 3D chess weird math going on here. Maybe, you know, I'm just going to make it up. Maybe one indictment, that's a joke and it helps Trump. Two indictments, that's bad and it hurts Trump. And then three indictments, oh, it goes back to being a joke and it helps him. I mean, we don't know. And then Biden is salivating, partly because he can't control his own body, but he is salivating about the prospect of going up against Donald Trump because Biden cannot beat anyone except for Trump. Or at least I think that's what he thinks, his people think. 
And, you know, that's what everyone thinks. May or may not be true, but that's what everyone thinks. And the 538 podcast was talking about some polls, which I don't remember the numbers. But basically, on the first, the New York indictment, uh, Americans are like, that's bullshit. That's a, you know, that's just because people hate Trump. But then the polls say on the second indictment, they're like, oh, mishandling documents, that's a serious thing, you know, whatever. If Trump did that, he should go to prison. It's not just a political witch hunt. And obviously people can change their minds, but... Okay, here's the 3D chess. Biden, um, from Biden's team, possibly. Okay, you do one, you know, okay, and then... So these DAs are political animals, and so they're, you know, maybe they don't... Biden does not call the Manhattan DA and say, I want you to do this. But, you know, people get word about what they should do. I mean, everyone would like to be the ambassador to, I don't know where, France. But 3D chess is the first indictment. Everyone recognizes that as a politically motivated witch hunt. And so that pisses off the Republicans and they choose Trump as their nominee. And then you combine that with the second indictment indictment, where the people in the middle, you know, the rare, independent, undecided voter is like, okay, documents, that's serious business. And so now Trump is the nominee, but they vote for Biden and boom, Biden wins. So that's the 3D chess. So now here's the 4D chess as only played by your anti-woke host. You add on a third or even better yet, a fourth. There's... There's talk of a fourth one. I don't even know what it's over. But if you do enough indictments, eventually the people in the middle who are undecided say, this ain't right. I don't like what they're doing to Trump. And then they vote for Trump and Trump wins. So this is my third version to talk about the actual situation with Trump. I did one where I went on and on about Hunter Biden and then I just deleted it because I was afraid that Spotify would delete my podcast again, because the last time I talked about Hunter a bunch, they deleted my shit. So then I did a version where I didn't talk about Hunter at all. But hey, if they delete my podcast, then, you know, it'll free up some time to do other stuff. So here's my third attempt. I'm just going to read you an email I sent to my woke buddy. If you were woke and you were my friend, you could get emails like this. All these unanswerable questions are instantly answered if you ask what would the military-industrial complex, MIC, want. Hillary knowingly putting classified documents on a server outside the government and then deleting 30,000 emails is obstruction of justice. That's the same as Trump, but she didn't get prosecuted. Why is that? Joe Biden turned over groups of classified documents, then turned over a bunch more documents from the same location a week later, and turned over a bunch more documents a week later from another location. This was taken at face value and he was never investigated. Why is that? We also know that Biden had documents related to Ukraine and Iran. One of those is the country that his son is mixed up with. The son where the MIC and the FBI and the CIA and the DHS all covered up information and said it was Russian disinformation right before the election. So there should be at least an an investigation to exonerate Biden, if nothing else. Finally, there's a clip of Trump saying he knew he was misusing documents. In that clip, he also kind of says that he was keeping the documents 
to protect himself from the MIC and their lies that he thought were coming. He said, I didn't want to attack Iran, it was General Milley. See right there in these documents? I guess the enemy of your enemy is your friend, so you're going to have to get in bed with the MIC. You, them, and the mainstream media can all put together a false narrative to make sure that we always have a president who will promote foreign wars. What this also means is that if a president is put into the White House, he's going to do what the MIC says, and none of this will be investigated at that point either. So only Trump or maybe Robert Kennedy Jr. will open this can of worms. It also answers the question of why did Joe Biden give $850 billion to the military plus spend a few hundred billion more on Ukraine? And that money on, spent on Ukraine is actually used to buy new weapons for the military to replace the ones given to Ukraine, so that money is for the military too. I bet Joe Biden has given more money to the military in the last year than Ronald Reagan did in eight years. I think that the MIC needs to steal elections and spend money as fast as they can, because Donald Trump is not the only thing they can't trust. There was a time that the media told the truth and spoke truth to power, and they may get over their Trump derangement syndrome at some point and actually do some journalism. And Twitter has free speech, so the FBI won't be able to shut it down again this time. Ukraine update. Um, The New York Times published an article on the neo-Nazis in the Ukraine army. I mean, it's behind a paywall, but I think they mentioned that there are neo-Nazis in the army. you know, that was probably one sentence, and then they had 30 sentences about how, why Ukraine is still good. But anyways, you don't hear, they don't usually say even the one sentence about all the neo-Nazis. And they mentioned that American mainstream media reporters will take pictures of Ukraine army people, and they'll tell them to take off their Nazi paraphernalia. They'll snap the picture, and then the guys will put all their shit back on. And then a week ago... Uh, a bunch of neo-Nazis, I don't know, attacked some villages in Russia. And apparently these are Russian neo-Nazis. Russia has a bunch of them themselves. But they think that there's too many brown people in Russia. And so they moved to Ukraine. They're like, ah, now I can breathe. Everyone's white. But Ukraine denies it. But basically they gave a bunch of American, I don't know if it was tanks, you know, army vehicles. They gave a bunch of American army or NATO army vehicles, to these neo-Nazis so they could go attack villages in Russia. And obviously this is a story the mainstream media is not talking about. But there you go. America to NATO to Ukraine to neo-Nazis. So, America to neo-Nazis. We are arming them. And then they're attacking inside the borders of Russia. It's very safe and moral. And if you want this information from someone who's not hyperbolic and can be trusted and will source all their information, um, the non-zero Substack, non-zero podcast, Robert Wright, look up any of that stuff. And then apparently this is the week of the counter-offensive. Yeah, Ukraine is going to take back land, they say, supposedly. And as of this recording, it doesn't seem like it's going that good. As YouTube guys I watch where they... Every day they give you an update on the so-called line of control, and it has not moved barely at all, or even at all. And people are saying that the West is pressuring Ukraine to do it when they don't want to. I don't know. 
And I guess it's just, it's understood that in wars, offense gets you killed, defense is easy. And so up until now, Russia has been on offense. You know, basically, it's easy for one person to sit behind a rock or whatever and then just kill a bunch of people as they all come charging in, right? So the people charging in, that's offense. And the guy behind the rock, he's ready for it. But so Russia has been on offense for, I don't know how long, a long time, six months or more. And so all the Russians were getting killed. But now the Ukraine is going on offense. It's all the Ukrainians getting killed. I mean, that's probably what's happening exactly. But, you know, you can't confirm it. And so speaking of stuff that hasn't been confirmed, someone blew up the big dam on the big river in Ukraine. And both sides are saying the other side did it. There's actually three options. So either side did it or it fell apart on its own because Ukraine um, shot it with a missile a while back. They wanted to make a small hole in it. And then there's a bridge that go, or a road that goes across the top and Russia blew up that road so Ukraine can't cross the river. Russia's on Russia's side of the river. Ukraine's on the west of the river. And basically, if you look at all the reasons why you would want to blow the thing up, Ukraine would want to blow it up and Russia wouldn't because Russia had control of it. And I think Ukraine blew it up because the reservoir behind the dam is where Crimea gets its water from, which is almost half of the reason for this war. My, my guess right now, I'm going to say 50% of this war is because America wanted to take money from the American middle class and give it to all the warmongering bankers and oil people. And the other half is because Russia wants Crimea because that's their childhood vacation spot for all the you know old powerful Russian men. And also it's where the natural gas is in that area. But it was an amusing week to blow up this dam um, and then blame it on Russia because it just came out that the you know there was a paperwork leak about the war a while back and somehow it just little bits of it keep coming out and so the little bit that came out this week was that Ukraine was planning to rent a yacht with a six-man team and blow up the Nord Stream pipeline and that was and anyway they were trying to keep it secret America got hold, got wind of that information that was a couple months before someone we don't know who rented a yacht and blew it up with a six-man team and if you remember, the Biden administration line on the Nord Stream pipeline when it happened was, if you think Ukraine did it, then you're just a conspiracy theorist. The Nord Stream pipeline, one end was Russia, but the other end was Germany. So it's kind of strange to me about how Germany is so gung-ho in helping Ukraine. I mean, and the rest of Europe, you know, maybe they're all just good people and they, you know, good people do good things. But I heard a theory from the Mearsheimer guy. I've talked about him before. And he said that the reason why Europe, everyone, NATO, all the Europe, NATO, European NATO countries support Ukraine so much is they think that for some reason, if Russia defeats Ukraine, then that might break up NATO. And I think basically America pays for NATO, or a lot of it, so... They like NATO. They like having someone else pay for their defense. And so I will be looking for evidence to support or contradict that, because I don't know. But it was a, I don't know, it's the, it's the first theory I've heard, other than, oh, good people do good things. 
a giant fire in Canada is making the East Coast smoky. I think Boston to St. Louis. It's the worst air quality that New York City has ever had. And I guess I would say, well, now you know what it's like to live in Southern Oregon. Plus, you got to worry about hurricanes. Makes me think of a study they did probably over 10 years ago now where they put together all the natural disasters. I don't think they did nuclear war and, I don't know, crime. But anyways, the safest place in America, or maybe it was on the planet, was Corvallis, Oregon. Probably never heard of it, just some city in Oregon. I don't know if they redid that study now that there's more wildfires, if that would still be the safest place. But wildfires, that's got nothing to do with woke, anti-woke. Or maybe everything with climate change. I don't know. My, you know, my negative partisanship is I listened to a little BBC segment about the Canadian wildfires, and it got me thinking. Here's a clip. Asked about climate change and whether that is being discussed. It is now, which is in, in stark kind of contrast to about uh, six years ago or so when we had another huge wildfire here and the Prime Minister at the time, same Prime Minister that we have now, Justin Trudeau, uh, was asked about whether climate change had caused the disaster. And at the time, he, he cautioned against making a political argument out of one particular disaster. The tone has changed. He has now said this week, uh, kind of poking away at the opposition, he said there are some politicians that still think that you can have a plan for great jobs and growing the economy without having a plan to fight climate change. So very much, this is an issue that's being discussed. So first off, sounds like Canada is behind America by some number of years, but they've figured out that climate change is a useful club with which to attack your political enemies. And it may have something to do with, there's like the truckers revolt or the truckers something that happened in Canada during COVID where they didn't want to do uh, vaccine passports to cross the border between America and Canada. And basically like Canada didn't have a Trumpist segment in their country before, but that kind of, either Canada now has kind of a Trumpish bunch of people there or at least... The mainstream media in Canada says that they have an evil bunch of Trumpers in their country. But that's not my hobby horse. So they just do, it's kind of just a little bit of a throwaway line there. But basically, oh, you know, it's good for business to deal with climate change. They used to say the business of America is business. And so now, you know, in North America, maybe the business of businesses is dealing with climate change and discriminating against white men. And so there's this saying, um, never waste a crisis. There's a global pandemic. Oh, you know, start spending money like crazy on all the things you always wanted to spend it on, but you couldn't. I mean, lots of examples of that. BLM, January 6th, etc. But so wildfires and climate change, that makes my mind turn to ESG. Kind of like in the spring, how a young woman's mind turns to thoughts of love. And I'm going to say what ESG is again. I don't know if I have any longtime listeners who are like, you explained it every time, I'm tired of it. But I'm trying to get the explanation shorter. But I want anyone who just happens across this podcast to at least know what ESG is when they're done. And so ESG is why all the companies in America and around the world are so woke. You know, think of... Bud Light and Target. 
and it's where retirement funds and banks use the general public's money to control the corporations and make them woke. And it stands for environmental social governance. Environmental means do stuff for climate change. Social means replace white men with women and people of color as employees throughout your company. And governance means replace white men with women and people of color at the board of directors level. Huh, I think that was pretty good. That was pretty short. And right now, the best chance that I see to fight wokeness and ESG is, you know, if you want to fight that stuff, you need to elect Ron DeSantis, have him, you know, in charge of the Department of Justice, and then use what's called the fiduciary duty. And I imagine my listeners are not all... Well, first off, I think 65% of my listeners are in America. So 35% of my listeners are not even in America. So, you know, I don't know if you look at if those people would like Donald Trump. Anyways, it's a variety of people listening. So, you know, you may think, oh, well, Donald Trump will fight wokeness. Yeah, he's going to fight wokeness like he built a wall, which is to say he won't and he didn't. And there, you know, some. De- I'm a lifelong Democrat, although I may be changing. Um, are the Democrats going to fix this? No, it's too useful to attack their enemies. And then most of the other Republicans, you know, they only care about like two things: lots of war and lowering taxes on the rich and putting the tab to the middle class. And I'm sure Ron DeSantis says he's against war, but he'll probably be he'll be he'll pull an Obama. And be like, oh, I hate war. And then get become president and be like, I love war. I love me some more. Give me more war. And I'm sure he'll spend like a drunken sailor to help the rich and put it on the tab of the middle class. But that's how everyone is. So, But at least I, I think there's a good chance that he would fight wokeness. So that's why maybe I'm coming out. That's my recommendation. I'm transgender and I support Ron DeSantis for president. And so, just like it's illegal to discriminate against whites and men, and also white men, um, but we let it go on, it's because it's the Department of Justice. So, you know, the federal police law, legal blah blah. If the DOJ lets people discriminate against whites and men, um, then you can do it, basically. And the DOJ... The head of the, D- the DOJ is supposed to be independent, but the president chooses the person who's in charge of it and can fire the person who's in charge of it. So basically, it's the president. The president controls all that. And so just like it's illegal to discriminate, but we still do it, a lot of ESG stuff is illegal, but we still do it. And so it's illegal under the fiduciary duty. I don't even know how to spell that, and I'm, gonna fo- I'm a phenomenal speller. And I don't know if you can, if a person can go to jail if they break their fiduciary duty. They probably could, but no one ever does. But like you know, a famous example of it is if you have a stockbroker who advises you, they have a fiduciary duty to make you money. Um, you know, if they if they have a backroom, backwoods, reach around deal with some company to kind of rip you off and sell you stuff at a higher price than they should. So that, that, you know, so that company makes money and gives a kickback to the stockbroker. Anyways, they're breaking their fiduciary duty. But I think maybe, well, I think, I think board of directors, people in charge of corporations have a fiduciary duty to the stockholders. So, you know, lawyers have a fiduciary duty to their client. A lot of places have a fidu- people have a fiduciary duty. 
It's kind of hard to say. Should I say FD instead? Or maybe the fiduce. But so, you know, hiring an unqualified black woman, that is not, you know, that's breaking your fiduce because, you know, what your company needs are people who do the job well. And so, and you know, that's how you make money. So hiring someone incompetent because of their genitalia or whatever is, is breaking your fiduce. People still do it. Although that one's not so cut and dry. It's, it's, it's more obvious with um, boards of directors. But it's real obvious with climate change stuff. I'm trying to think of an example. Well, you know, a lot of times you'll hear companies say that they only buy green energy. So, you know, and that's more expensive. So, you know, all, your, all the electricity for your company comes from wind and solar. Um, and it costs more. So, you know, that's, that is not fiduciarily responsible because you're paying more when you don't have to. But you're doing it because of climate change. But so, you know, like, first off, who the hell is going to prosecute you for that? I mean, the shareholders have to, like, sue you, and then woke judges are going to throw it out. Anyways, that's a very tricky bunch of knots that's, you know, so hard to untangle, it'll be crazy. We'll, we'll see how that goes. But here's the thing that I thought of. All this talk is because of this little thought. The federal government is giving out tons of money, like you know, to, in quotes, stop climate change. And basically, you know, I don't, I don't know all the things they're doing. They're, you know, they got money to help people buy electric cars. But you could imagine, maybe, they're, you know, maybe they'll give you some money, a kickback, if you buy all your electricity from solar and wind. And in which case, you're not breaking your fiduciary duty. And in fact, maybe, you know, if, if, it's, a, if it's enough money, then you're only breaking your fiduciary duty if you keep buying the, what was cheap electricity but isn't after the kickbacks or the rebates. So the government and its money, it really is quite a powerful thing. I mean, basically, you have to go to the very top. You'd have to stop the government from giving away free money for fighting climate change because, I mean, think of it like a pyramid. So at the top is the government. They give away money. Now, every company, everything below them, basically the corporations, they have to do woke stuff because you get free money for doing woke stuff. And the only way to stop that is to cut off the head of the snake or whatever, chunk off the top of that pyramid. And it's similar with ESG lending, where banks, you know, will give you a slightly uh, lower interest rate if you do ESG stuff. Well, then the only shareholders who are getting screwed over by ESG is the shareholders of the bank, right? Every company that gets money from the banks their shareholders are benefiting from racism and climate change fighting, except for the bank shareholders. And so, you know, and I guess, I don't, I don't know why the banks, I don't know why the banks are so woke and make everyone else be woke, but you'd be a, you'd be a dumbass as a corporation to turn down the bank's free money. And so, I don't know, once again, you know, what's above the banks? Only the government. Let's cough up the short segments, hairball. There was a small mass shooting this week, um, VCU, Virginia something university. At their location, a local high school was having a graduation and a couple of black boys were in a beef and one of the black boys went and shot a bunch of people. Uh, I don't, maybe one dead, not sure. So I think that means in the national news, as I follow it, according to NBC Nightly News, that is now 
four white mass shooters, three black, two or three Hispanic, two East Asian, a South Asian with a Nazi flag. So whites are losing the crime game in total numbers. Um, I think per capita, East Asians are losing. But it's getting too hard to remember these numbers, so uh, whatever. At the beginning of next month, I'm going to reset all the numbers and start over. And I was thinking it would be amusing to restart right now, and then you just have one black mass shooting. But that's not fair. I think that's called p-hacking. It's a thing for why um, scientists can't be trusted, because usually they're just too dumb to know that they're misusing statistics. But p-hacking would be like, say you're, you're doing a study on two football teams, and you want to see who's better. And so you go, okay, my, you know, what my study is going to be, they're going to, they're going to play each other. And whoever's the winner, that's the better team. And that would be fine, but p-hacking would be like, at halftime, one of the teams ahead, and you say, okay, that's good enough, we're going to stop the game now and declare whoever's ahead the winner. And it would be okay if before the game starts, you say, okay, for our study, whoever's ahead at halftime is the winner, but you can't decide after the game has started. So anyways, that's why July 1st, we're going to restart. You got to declare it in advance. And so I've been losing a lot of weight, and I've been doing it by eating a lot of, a lot of ramen and a lot of popcorn. And so I've been eating chicken ramen because you can get those for $7 on a 24-pack on Amazon. But if you read reviews online, what's the best flavor? It's oriental flavor, if you remember that one. But ramen got woke, and it's now called soy sauce flavor. But it's $24 for a 24-pack on Amazon, so I don't know if it's still the best. But with ramen, if you break it up before you put boiling water on it, um, then it ends up with a whole bunch of bites. You get, you know, 100 bites out of your little 400-calorie ramen. And so that's what I recommend if you're trying to lose weight, is find stuff that doesn't have too much calories, it tastes good, and it gives you a lot of bites. Because it's more satisfying if it takes you, you know, five, ten minutes to eat it. And the other thing that does that good is popcorn. And I wasn't doing microwave popcorn, but it makes the microwave really messy and the popcorn's not that good. Anyways, here's what I recommend. On Amazon, for $10, you can get a silicone, not silicon, um, bowl for making popcorn. And then you just buy the kernels, you put it in the bowl, they got the instructions. Um, it turns out you can still microwave your popcorn. The whole microwave popcorn in a popcorn microwave package is horseshit. If you just put microwave popcorn in the microwave, that pops it. And then I recommend you get a big bowl, you transfer it into the other bowl, but before you do that, put in some oil. Uh, what works pretty good is olive oil. So put some olive oil at the bottom of your bowl, throw the popcorn on top, stir it up with, not your hands, because your hands will get messy, uh, stir it up with a spoon, put salt on it, and there you go. And popcorn salt, you want fine-grained, like powdery salt. Normal salt just hits the popcorn popped and falls to the bottom and doesn't work. But popcorn tastes great and gives you the, you know, it takes you 10, 15 minutes to eat 400 calories worth of popcorn. It's a great diet food. And Disney, they bought Fox, and with Fox, they got the rights to the 1971 Best Picture, French Connection. And even back then, Hollywood, you know, America, Hollywood was anti-racist, 
And so Gene Hackman, the star, he says the N-word, but it's to show the audience that you shouldn't be racist. But anyways, Disney's doing their woke thing, and they have secretly gone and changed all the streaming versions of The French Connection to take out that little, that little part where he says that, which changes the meaning of the whole movie, because now you're like, he's a racist? What? I didn't even know. And then they made up some story about it being a director's cut, but it doesn't matter. There's this YouTube guy I watch. He does movies. Dan Merle. He's, him and Grace Randolph. That's the two ones I watch. And he's woke, but he's complaining about Disney doing this, and I don't know. I don't think it's going to bring him over to the dark side, but you never know. Actually, all it did to him was make him say, See, now you got to buy it on Blu-ray, and then they can't change it on you. When he should say, what you do is you pirate it, especially if it's Disney. Let's do an update on my Facebook life. So that's, there's that girl. She's 50 now, but she was the hottest girl back in high school. Been communicating with her a little bit. And so I learned that someplace in Germany, Hamburg, so where the hamburger comes from, I guess, they have outlawed new construction of single-family homes. Basically, you got to make condos and apartments, and it's all climate change related. And so, you know, you heard it here first. Um, American cities are going to start doing that. It's going to be a while. But I went trolling on Facebook and I said, you know, we need to ban single-family homes. They put out too much CO2. And so my one buddy who never gets my jokes, he's like, I live in a single-family home. I just bought it. What are you saying? And so I told him, I told him another joke that he, that he did not get, which was, it's okay. You're doing enough for climate change by not reproducing. And uh, F-bombs incoming. But so this, the girl that I was talking about, she replied on there, and tits are GTFO. And that was because we had been talking previously about something, and I had told her tits are GTFO. And so that stands for tits or get the fuck out, you know, TNA tits. And I'm not a young hip gamer, but I guess that's who say that phrase, or, you know, gamers in 2010, I think. And I heard it from some woman. It, kind of, it sounds better coming from a woman. Basically, women can say it if they want. Men aren't supposed to, but I still do. And to me, it means if you're on a forum or playing video games where it's all guys and then someone says they're a girl, you're like, you know, what you should do is be like, I don't believe you. You're just a guy saying you're a girl. So what you say to them is tits or GTFO. You know, let me see, let me see him. Otherwise, I don't believe you. But I, let me read the Urban Dictionary definition. Tits or GTFO is used in a way to say, if you are going to use your gender to gain further attention on a board or comment section of a predominantly male user base, you are basically saying, I have tits, give me more attention. Therefore, you might as well go all out and show your fucking tits or get the fuck out. And either way, at this point, it's just, it's old internet slang, probably only said by people over the age of 30, it's cringe, but, you know, something is cool, then it's uncool, and then maybe it's cool again. And that means I'm cool. Maybe. So I was talking about negative partisanship last week, where, you know, you, why, why are people doing this thing? If you explain that they're doing it not because they love something, but because they hate the other, you know, the opposite of the thing or whatever, uh, it explains a lot. And the strict definition of negative partisanship is... It's all about political parties. And so I'm still looking for a better word for it. Um, 
but maybe what we got going on now is like negative cultural partisanship. It goes beyond, you know, it includes all the political parties, but it's bigger than that. It's, you know, it's half of America versus the other half. And it doesn't matter if the half of America that you hate is actually doing the thing that you accuse them of. It's just, I mean, that doesn't matter. The part is whether or not you hate them. It doesn't matter if they're actually deserving of hatred. But now that I have this negative cultural partisanship, goddamn terrible name, but this, this framework, it's been coming up quite a bit. So I was listening to the, um, the Death of Journalism podcast, and that guy was saying, you know, why are gay people and black people letting themselves get roped in with the trans? And he was like, it makes no sense. He was going on about how it makes no sense and he doesn't understand it. But anyways, negative partisanship, boom, solves that one. And then I was listening to the Glenn Lowry show, and they were talking about how just LGBTQ is being conflated and tied to black stuff. And one of the guys on the show is like, again, it makes no sense. But Glenn is a smart cookie, and he, and he says, you know, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. And so finding a name for this is difficult. You know, finding a name to describe the groups is not easy. Uh, Glenn, Glenn was like, well, you know, gays and, you know, queers and blacks, you know, the thing that they're opposed to is white evangelical Christians. And I think he said white Catholics. And I don't know, I guess, you know, you got Christians, people on the right, conservatives, anti-woke people. I mean, they're not all the same people. I don't know, it's tricky. I mean, the people who are most racist against whites, at least consequentially, are other whites. But you know, that makes me wonder. White people are no longer racist against blacks. I wonder if maybe, maybe there is some actual anti-black racism left in America, but it's other black people. Well, I'm sure that's something that would get you fired from your professorship if you looked into it. I mean, critical theory kind of has it right. You've got the oppressors and the oppressed. I mean, right now, the, you know, in quotes, oppressed, have all the power and are oppressing the oppressors. But, you know, you could say the historically oppressed and the, and the historically oppressors, um, the people who want to believe they're oppressed when they're not, and the people who are being falsely accused of oppression... And that's all complicated, and people give you a blank stare. Uh, you know, but if you just, you know, if you go by the media, then it's the oppressors and the oppressed. I mean, that really does divide America pretty nicely. And now you got blacks and gays and queers and trans and whatever all on one side, on the oppressed side. And boom, you get to put all the whites on the other side, even though they're the ones who are making all the hoopla, fighting, supposedly fighting oppression, white women. Well, anyways, there's your stupid update on, I think I'll call it negative partisanship, or the enemy of my enemy is my friend, or wishful thinking oppression. Maybe something with the word oppress. Uh, yeah, maybe it would be a good term. I'll have, to, I'll have to keep that in mind. Tucker Carlson now has a show on Twitter called Tucker on Twitter. And I watched the first two episodes. They were like 10-minute uh, monologues video. And Twitter doesn't count views the way YouTube does. They count impressions. So I think he got 100 million impressions on his first video. But that's not how many people watch the video. That's 
that's how many people um, the video went by while they were scrolling. And so best estimates are that 10 to 20% of people actually watch some of the video. So maybe 10, 20 million people watched part of it. You know, the number of people who watched the whole thing is probably, you know, 5, 10 million. And his show on Fox, I think it got two or three million lately. I think back when Trump was president and everyone was watching news all day long, he used to get five million a day. And we're still waiting to hear on who's breaching what contract with him and Fox. Um, people are saying that Fox wanted him out of the picture until after the election so he couldn't help Trump win. I mean, I don't know. That's all speculation. And his first episode, he went hard at Zelensky, the president of Ukraine. He does not like that guy. I think he said he looks like a rat and he has black eyes, which I'm not sure one or both of those are things you're not supposed to say about Jews. But anyways, but he said some other interesting stuff. He said that the dam that got blown up in Ukraine, that was definitely blown up by Ukraine, according to Tucker. So, yeah, so the looking like a rat, the dam blown up in Ukraine. I think these are all things you would not have been able to say on Fox. He would have had to hedge his bets. And my brain is always on the lookout for dirt against the people that I hate. And so he mentioned that BlackRock, right, this is the, ES, this is the mutual fund that takes everyone's retirement accounts and makes all the corporations in America woke. They are in bed with Ukraine and are prepared to rebuild Ukraine with the trillion dollars or whatever that America is going to spend after the war is over. I was like, is that true? And I looked it up and it looks like it's probably true, roughly true. Tucker didn't say all that. He just said BlackRock and Zelensky. That, and the answer to that is yes, they're in bed. And a bit more about BlackRock. So it's headed by some guy named Larry Fink. He created it. And Fink means, it means like, it's a word that means like bad person. So that's kind of funny. It kind of means like a rat. You dirty rat. And Fink was working with the Trump administration in 2016, so I don't know if the guy's actually woke himself. He's either became woke out of the blue or something, or, or he's just he's playing 3D chess, making money off of pushing wokeness, even though he's not woke, or, or who knows what. Or maybe he got in a fight with Trump, I don't know. I guess I'll say this. I'll probably be mentioning Larry Fink in the future, so remember that name, the head of BlackRock. And then Tucker's second episode, it was all about taboos, but basically it was just, it was just a lot of the same stuff, you know, any anti-woke person would talk about. Um, he's saying it used to be taboo for adults to be talking about sex with kids, and they probably get punched in the nose and, go, and maybe go to jail. But now it's encouraged to talk with kids about sex. And it used to be taboo to be racist against people, but now you're encouraged to be racist against whites. And then I guess he's a Christian. He said something about how being a Christian is good. And that was his second episode. The Blockton Reported caught some flack for their coverage of the City Bike Karen incident. And so just them talking about it, it reminded me of me talking to my woke buddy. So I'm going to play a long-ass clip of that here in a bit. I mentioned the City Bike Karen incident, uh, I don't know, a week or two ago. But I think there's more information now. So as a reminder, City Bike is an electric bike that you can rent with an app on your phone. And then you ride it from station to station and it gets auto-locked. And there was a short video that went on social media of 
some young men, black young men, kind of whatever, arguing with a white woman, you know, a Karen over a bike. And I think now that I know what I know, the white woman was completely and utterly in the right, and the young black men were completely and utterly in the wrong. But for a little while there, you know, some media outlets, not the big dogs, but just people on the internet did a hate crime hoax out of it. She got, uh, whatever, they, you know, they falsely accused her of racism. Uh, her hospital that she works at put her on a leave of unpaid absence. I want to say that she raised maybe $200,000 for, a, for legal something or others from a GoFundMe. And then the black boy, one of them raised $100,000 for a legal GoFundMe. I mean, he doesn't have any legal fees, but he got a free hundred grand out of it. And then her legal fees would be suing people for defamation of... Oh, they said she was stealing the bike from these black boys, you men. I mean, they're young. I don't know. They call them, sometimes they call them teenagers, but they're, I think they're in their early 20s. And either way, they're huge. So this tiny little white lady in her 40s is like stealing a bike from these gigantic five black men. I mean, it, it's ridiculous. You just, anyone who sees the video should go, uh, that's not what's, you know, this is not a case of white lady stealing a bike and America's racist. But anyways, people are so stupid, they, whatever, you tell them that, they're like, oh yeah, white lady stealing bikes from black men. I mean, people don't think about it too long. They just go, I'm white. I enjoy making false accusations of racism against other whites. I can have a little bit of fun and then move on and please don't tell me any of the facts. And then Nate the lawyer, he's an African-American lawyer on YouTube who did like a super breakdown of the whole thing. If you want to see, there's the receipts. She had a receipts and then the black people, they had receipts. So they, they released their receipts and their receipts proved that they were in the wrong. So everyone had receipts all of it proving the same story. And I had previously theorized that maybe the men were, you know, trying to get the woman to check it out on her account, and then they could take the, basically steal the bike, and it would, she'd have to pay for it or something. But it turns out what they were doing is they were squatting. This is, a, this is a thing you do with city bikes in New York City. Because apparently there's some sort of, you know, hourly rate for the bike, and then you go park it in a, especially, you know, in a certain spot, and it gets locked up. And then if it sits there a certain amount of time and no one else checks it out, then you can rent it again for free. I think the idea is, like, oh, you locked up the bike in a place that no one's, you know, that no one's ever going to rent it. It's just going to sit in this random location that's not a hot spot for people renting bikes. And so, hey, we'll let you take it for free if you'll take it away from this location and you know and hopefully you'll take it to somewhere else where more people are around and they will rent it and so what you can do is you just be a big man and in this case a big black man and anytime someone wants to come up and rent the bike that you just locked up you shoo them away with you know a threat of violence and that way you can get the free whatever the free ride off of it um the bike has to sit there for like it wasn't clear, maybe 15 minutes. So you got to shoo people away from your bike for 15 minutes, and then you get the discounted rate. And so this goes to the Blocked and Reported podcast. I guess, I guess I listened to it, and it got my dander up, and now I'm talking about it. Hopefully some of you guys listened to it. Otherwise, you'd be like, I don't even know what the hell you're talking about. Who cares?
In fact, who cares? That's going to come up. What's <clears throat> Blocked and Reported has two people. It has Jesse, who's a... He's like a reporter. He's a tall Jewish man, and he's a reporter. And then it has Katie Herzog, who's a short, white, lesbian lady. and She's also a reporter. And Jesse is not woke when it comes to transgender stuff. He kind of... He kind of became famous by doing like actual research and reporting and investigation into the transgender issue and you know and kids and puberty blockers and stuff like that. He did that several years ago, but he's still so he's not woke on that. I wouldn't say he's anti woke, but he's not woke on that. But when it comes to race, he's still woke. And then Katie Herzog, I've said many times, she may be my favorite. It comes and goes. A year ago, she was my favorite commentator, period. I'm not sure who's my favorite right now. But she is anti-woke. She's balls to the wall. She's awesome. And I don't know how they must... I mean, they, I don't know how their podcast is so popular, but uh, I think they have like over 10,000 listeners paying them $5 a month. So that's $50,000 a month. You know, they're making a half million dollars a year that they have to split up. Or more. Probably more. An update on my podcast, I don't know, it's two or three years later, uh, I'm starting to have about 200 people listen to each episode, and I make zero money, but still, that's actually better than most people's podcasts. But they'll mention this stuff, but Blocked and Reported, because it's such a famous podcast, it has a dedicated Reddit page that apparently is active with tons of listeners talking with each other. And I think their City Bike Karen episode was actually behind a paywall, so I didn't hear it. But I think at least Jesse, maybe even Katie, uh, was like, I believe the young black men. I believe that the whatever, the, this white woman was at fault. And these young black, five young black men were, you know, innocent as the driven snow. And so the people on Reddit were like, that is fucking ridiculous. You're an idiot. They'll mention it in this clip. But anyways, it blew up on their little Reddit thread thing. And... So then they did a response, a response to the Reddit thread or uh, anyways, you'll hear, you'll hear the clip. But anyways, it just reminds me when I talk to my woke buddy, I think just like everyone, everyone wants to, be, to think that what they believe is true. They don't want to think that, you know, that they're believing just tons of false things. And it's, you know, I start, I, I haven't mentioned this in a while. The reason why I started this podcast was because I would have arguments with my woke buddy. But, you know, like, you know, with a cell phone, you get like that lag and you end up talking over each other. Plus, we talk over each other anyways. And so he just he wouldn't let me get my facts in, my words in edgewise sometimes. Sometimes I do the same to him. Um, so I created this podcast to lay out, you know, in a more calm, time efficient, lackadaisical manner, all the facts that I wish that I could have said to my woke buddy when we're arguing. And he still doesn't listen to the podcast. I mean, he wouldn't like it. Anyway, anyway so Jesse's, Jesse's brain is doing the same thing in this clip that my woke buddy's brain does, which is when you're wrong and you're provided, you know, you're shown incontrovertible proof that what you believe is wrong, your brain doesn't go, oh, I was wrong. I'm going to switch. No, your brain does... You know, it, it does a little bit of this to get around it. It does a little bit of that to get around it. Well, that's not very descriptive. Okay, so let me see if I can describe some of the things that my woke buddy's brain does to protect him from the truth. 
because he wants to believe that he is on the right side of history, that you know the people he hates deserve the hatred, and that he is a good person for disliking you know people on the right, etc. So the first thing you do is you just your brain just says does not compute. You know, it's like your brain goes, 2 plus 2 equals 4. You know, that is correct. Never mind, I'm not going to let that sink in. Uh, it is now, you know, we're, we're now five seconds into the future. That has affected me not at all. I'm just not going to let that sink in. Hey, I'm back to being right. I was right all along. Another thing is, you know, you might say, you might state a fact that you read, but you don't have it at your fingertips. And so the woke brain will be like, oh, prove it. And, you know, and I, I'm ready for, I'm ready for this one. Cause I'll be like, oh, if I go, you know, if I go spend a half hour to look through the research and find the statistics that proves that I am right, are you saying that you will then give up your entire thinking on this subject and go, I was wrong. You were right. I'm never going to believe that horseshit that I was believing previously. I'm going to start believing what you believe. And then, you know, the woke person is like, well, no, I mean, I'm not saying that I'm going to change my mind if you do that what their brain is doing for them even though they don't realize it their brain is like i want you to go work go put in work go spend a half hour go spend a day go spend eight hours you know researching something and making bar charts etc not because i give up because my mind could ever possibly be changed but because now you've gone away. There you go. For you know, if, if you have to spend eight hours doing research and making graphs and bar charts, then that's eight hours that I don't have to deal with the fact that I'm wrong. And in fact, I bet you won't even do it. You know, you'll probably get two hours into making bar charts and graphs and go, this is gonna take six more hours. I'm not gonna do it. Basically, you can just make someone go away. And then if you and if you say, screw it, I'm gonna spend the eight hours, I'm gonna make all the graphs and the bar charts. Then you get back and it's like, oh, well, I'm just going to not, my, the brain is going to say, does not compute. I already forgot what we were talking about. Move on. And so not all of these apply to this clip I'm going to play, but anyways, I'm, I'm ranting. But one of the things that Jesse, so Jesse does a few things in this clip. I can't even, whatever. But the woke brain does many more things like I was just describing. Let's just get on to the clip. This is, this is going to be a 40 minute rant. So basically, these black men are completely and utterly at fault. This white woman is completely innocent. He did a podcast where he thought that she was guilty, basically, because he's, I mean, his brain protects him from this because it would really change stuff because he's racist against whites. I mean, he's white, but he's racist against whites. And it makes him feel good to think that he's on the side of blacks. And so in this clip, you'll hear him, he'll go, he'll bring up the cops. And this is something my woke buddy would do because Jesse, because of his blocked and reported podcast, he knows that the cops are not murdering unarmed black men like the, you know, the false narrative that's out there, just like my woke buddy. Because I have told him many times, you know, and provided stats and links and emails. He also has had it proven to him that, you know, racist cops are not hunting unarmed black men. But... At least in this clip's case, Jesse's brain—he just—he—he he hasn't let that compute. I mean, if you—you know—if you gave him a test with a Scantron ABCD thing on there about you know how many you know are racist cops hunting unarmed black men, he would get the right answers because he knows that. 
but his brain just doesn't let him compute that. And so he still thinks, you know, America is a racist place with racist cops doing stuff to black men. So, you know, how, does that justify black men harassing a 40-year-old white woman? It doesn't. But anyways, somehow it does. Even though that's not true, somehow that, maybe that exonerates him. And, he, you know, he tries that for a second, then he moves on. Because obviously that's not... That is not getting him to the place where he wants to be, where he's in the right, and he's a good person. And then he goes into, well, you know, they, you know, these these black men were being assholes, and she was being an asshole. I mean, you know, this is this is just a thing that happens in America. You know, people are assholes. And you know, and, and once again, now he's a good person because, well, just they're all assholes. Whatever, you know, it wasn't. It's not his fault that he got it a little bit wrong. They're both assholes. But in fact. There's zero evidence that the woman is an asshole, and there's a bunch of evidence that the black men are assholes, and... But anyways, there you go. His, his, his brain made him safe again. They're all assholes. And so I was talking to my woke buddy the other day about transgender kid stuff, and what his brain did to protect him from statistics. I mentioned this last episode. But anyways, he, he ended up saying, I don't care. I don't care about that. That's not a thing I care about. Because his woke brain was like, danger, Will Robinson. These statistics are not going to lead directly to me being a good person and the people I hate deserving that hatred. How can I get out of this? How about I just say, oh, this is, you know, who cares about this? We don't need to talk about this. I don't care about it. No one should care about it. Let's, you know, let's never mention this again. And so Jesse does something similar to that here. He's like, you know, America, America is way too obsessed with race and, you know, black and white interactions like basically he's not obsessed with black and white interactions you know he doesn't constantly take the wrong side because he's racist against whites it's all these other people obsessed with this stuff and you know and why why are you so obsessed with it you know you're i'm starting to i'm starting to get a bad feeling about you because you're too obsessed you know you know do i need to call you a racist to calm you down well anyways I think I'm talking too long. Let's uh, let's go to the clip. Who knows? Maybe there's another maybe there's another thing in there you can spot in his woke brain, or maybe I'm in the wrong. Maybe I just made up everything that I just said here. You decide, dear listener. Overall, I sort of I don't know what you thought, Katie. I thought like the angry response to our segment was a little bit over the top. It it wasn't as though we delivered some like final verdict, and I'm not sure what it was we got wrong factually. I think these are mostly matters of opinion. But mostly I'm just, like, I'm grossed out by this whole thing, seriously. So to echo a point you made, Katie, and that you, emotions are gay, if you are listening, made, it's just fucking insane that this is a national story. If two white people got in a fight over City Bike, it wouldn't be a national story. Or two black people, or Latino ones. But there's this, like, psychotic and I think really unhealthy fascination with white-black tension and white black interpersonal interactions not things like interactions with police which are very important it's very important that people that the police treat people equally treat people fairly that's not what this is this is just like everyday bullshit and these this psychotic fascination with white black interactions on the part of people who i really do think want to stoke racial tensions and who will then use any excuse to portray a story in a racialized light so I agree with the Reddit poster that there's zero evidence to suggest Comrie was racist and that the cavalcade of commentary calling her that was really unfair. 
We have no idea how she'd react under different circumstances. Like, she just finished a long shift and was pregnant and wanted to go home, and she might have acted in a somewhat shitty way, but so what? That's not a story. Like, you'd need a pretty cartoonish view of human nature or her nature, and you don't know her, to think that, like, if he'd been white teenagers, she'd be like, oh, okay, I guess I'll just walk. You guys are white, so you can squat on the bikes. Um, I think it's much more likely she was just focused on getting home and thought the kids were being dicks, which they were, and she got a little bit over-aggressive by trying to, like, swipe the bike under one of them when, like, I don't know, just move on. I feel bad for her, but, like, don't don't push the issue. People are jerks sometimes. It's New York. Um, so, yeah. I mean, again, like, teenagers are dicks sometimes. That's not a story either. Uh, no one did anything here worse than, like, a minor breach of politeness or city bike etiquette. This is all so nothing that if you called a cop over it, the cop would, like, probably laugh at you and just be like, I've got more important stuff to do than to litigate a fight over a fucking e-bike. Uh, it's just it's a nothing incident. So I think it's really, really bad that we gave so much attention to something like this. Uh, but we sort of – we end up getting dragged into it as a show because otherwise it, like – it does spiral into something really un- insane and unfair that can cause someone a lot of reputational damage that isn't warranted. But I sort of hope we never have to talk about this very dumb story ever again. And did you have any final or further thoughts on this, Katie? I mean, there were like hundreds of comments in the Reddit thread. I didn't read them. I was hoping that you would have something more substantive than that we got wrong than just like it's a matter of opinion. And frankly, I'm like not sure that I trust your analysis of this. <laughs> Like we got we got one email. Let me just read you a little bit from this email. This email. This is from someone who is very like uses city bikes and is very familiar with them. These kids were 100% abusing and cheating the system, exploiting a loophole, and negatively impacting many city bike users every time they do this. Not just one unfortunate nurse. Later, the reader says, it's clear to me simply from the screenshots and statements provided by the family themselves that these kids were 100% in the wrong and should not even be allowed to have a city bike membership, at least not unless they are held accountable and promise to use it in an appropriate and courteous manner. So I think that's worth, like, worth talking about. Were they 100% in the wrong here? Did you figure that out? But in what other but in what other situation? I'm sure you're not supposed to squat on city bikes. I'm sure they were being dicks about it, but this is like the most... I, that's what I said. I'm, I'm sure you're not allowed, to, like, supposed to do that. But, like, why are we commenting on whether a bunch of teenagers, given just, like, the amount of casual disorder and street crime and everything else, it's just such a bizarre – we're litigating whether, like, a group – we've already said it was completely unfair that she was dragged across the coals for this. Um, it, all the available evidence, like I said, suggests they were squatting on the city bikes, which they, sh- which they shouldn't do. But my argument is just like this is so discouraging that we're now litigating this. But you wanted to do another segment about this. So we've already devoted now two segments to this. So I just – I think – Well, because this was like a blow-up like we've never – I'm not sure we've ever had this much negative response to it. I, I just – that's sort of my point is like it felt like we should respond to it because it was – a giant 422 upvoted thread on this. I guess what I'm saying is I don't think it's going to alleviate the situation or, like, pacify anybody who is mad about this if our conclusion here is that this whole thing was stupid and we shouldn't be talking about it in the first place while continuing to talk about it. And here's a bit more of the same stuff where he's like, ah, I'm a good person. It's conservatives who are evil. Even though I got no proof, I'm going to make up an imaginary conservative and they can be the evil person in this situation like turned it into a quick just want to clarify a couple of things if i'd been clearer about the actual chronology of the receipts and the fact that like it really looks like they were squatting on that um and 
the other thing is the asymmetry where like she gets fucking called a Karen. She gets compared to a lyncher on the basis of no evidence. That's crazy. I'm sure this kid got some negative shit from conservatives, but it's like. The governor of Virginia, Glenn Youngkin, signed a law that's interesting the other day. Apparently, the state of Virginia had a requirement for jobs, if you're going to work for the state, where you had to have a four-year college degree. And that must not be all jobs. I mean, DMV. But anyways, they had a general rule you needed a college degree, and he got rid of that requirement. And, you know, some jobs still require a degree. I'm sure, you know, if they're hiring an engineer, that you can't just be walking in off the street. But it's interesting because... So I've said this before, but you know, it's called over-credentialism. And people complain about it, where jobs that have nothing to do with what you learn about in college require a college degree. And the history lesson on how that all started was, I think 1971, there was a court case, Duke Energy versus someone, and that was a power company in North Carolina, that they had an IQ test basically to keep out black people. And it went to the Supreme Court and they outlawed IQ tests as a part of a hi the hiring process. I mean, the feds, the army, a, a lot of uh, well, colleges, a lot of places still have IQ tests or you know, SAT is like the equivalent of an IQ test. But anyways, in general, you can't have IQ tests go along with employment. And maybe America was a bit racist and kind of is in a way. But so they found a workaround for that. You know, people still wanted the equivalent of an IQ test to keep out black people, or maybe to keep out poor people. Maybe it's just poor people. And so they instituted the requirement of a college degree. Because to get a college degree, you usually have to take an IQ test, the SAT, plus you have to show up on time. So, you know, it's a, it's a double test. It's an IQ test combined with a the ability to show up on time for something over a period of years test. And so now, maybe in Virginia, if you're a hard worker, you know, if you're someone who can do a good job, but you don't have a college degree, well, you can, you can, you don't have to go to college. You can go straight, maybe straight to get your job or whatever. In college, it, college doesn't exactly make people woke. They're woke, you know, the kids are woke before they go to college, but it sure doesn't help. It, it kind of locks in the wokeness. They start off woke, and they're woke as hell by the time they end. And so, this may reduce the amount of wokeness in America. And Glenn Youngkin, um, he said he is not running for president, but then I think he... He's not saying he is running for president, but he took that back. So this might be a, a thing that Republicans who want to be president do. Well, thanks for listening to the end of this podcast episode um please go to youtube and subscribe to my anti-woke podcast youtube channel you don't have to watch any of the videos in fact don't watch them because they're no different than these podcasts but if you just subscribe to them you know it'll give the right signal to the algorithm and i'm anti-woke podcast on twitter um i guess you know whatever jump out of this up jump out right now because i'm going to play an ad and then play a little thing that says thanks for listening to this ad so this is the, this is the real end of it right here all right thanks for listening to that ad